0: good to see more people here uh, in in in-person worship. I trust that everyone did the protocol thing, and so we're trying to make this church as safe as possible so that uh, the communities could come together and families can join us in the near future. All right, Uh, let's see. This is uh, the fall season, so we're going to go into a new uh, series, and it's going to be a series on heroes, all right? And so um, really, to me, there's two, um, two motives for this series. One is, um, you know, as we're opening up the church, uh, people are coming, hopefully, um, you know, out of their homes. And when they're comfortable, they come to places of worship. And I'm hoping there are a lot of people who maybe uh, God had been calling them, you know, through, during this pandemic. And, and maybe they want to come and, and see God. And, and so one of the things that we can do for those who are kind of coming back into church or have come to church for the first time is, who are these people in the Bible? You might have heard of Moses and David and all these people. Today, we're going to talk about Joseph. Like, like who are they? So it's, it's a good walk through the Bible, if you will. And we're going to do this uh, series, not just for September, but we're going to uh, extend it out through next year of um, Easter, I believe. And so we're going to uh, just talk about the major characters that run through the Old Testament and New Testament. So that's one of the uh, one motive so that we can kind of understand and see why they're in the Bible. But secondly, this is what I'm very excited about, is that it's not just gather- gathering information about facts about these people who are in the Bible, particularly in these Old Testament, New Testament stories, but, 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 but their stories are not only fascinating. But there's a, a message behind each of them, and it's not what you think. It's not to be like these amazing people and try to emulate them, but there is always a twist, and there's a sub-theme here called flip the script. There's a, even if you see the graphics, you see heroes as big letters. And, and subtitles is really flipping the script because we want to do a little flip on you because the people that we're going to talk about are not the real heroes, is really ultimately pointing to Jesus, and that's what we want to do every time we talk about these stories. All right. So today uh, I have um, we're going to talk about Joseph and his story is just massive. There's a lot of uh, chapters to cover, so what we want to do is break it down into three sections. So here's the outline. I want to talk about Joseph's story first of all, and kind of condense his story so that you can get a we can get a sense of who he is and what the situation is. And then, but secondly. What I want to do is, um, what do I want to do next? Show an alternative story, a little doppelganger, but, you know, it's like an alternate universe, if you will. And it's actually quite um, a reasonable because the story needs to be flipped because it's not about Joseph; it's about Christ. And I will show you how that can be done. And thirdly, uh, see Joseph in light of the real story, of uh, in light of what the uh, what his character is all about why his story is in in there in the first place. So we're going to end up with his real story, which ultimately points to Jesus. So that's what we're going to do today, all right? All right, Joseph's story. Uh, I'm going to be very brief. I'm going to go real fast because if you have ever looked at the book of Genesis, there are 50 chapters, and that's a lot of chapters, right? And if you you, uh, count the chapters, one quarter, 25% of Genesis is about the story of Joseph, so his story is really, really significant. And let me tell you something. When uh, the author uh, wrote Genesis, it was not about uh, trying to disprove evolution or try to show how this world came to be, although it, is a, it tells the story of creation. It's not necessarily about showing how the world began, you know, with, with, um, with the primordial st- uh, history, with, with the Tower of Babel, and, and how civiliz- civilizations you know, were, were birthed. I mean, there's a lot of fascinating things in there. I mean, as you study, the, if you study Genesis, there's some fascinating things. Think about Methuselah. Uh, he was what? I have it in my notes. 969 years. That's almost a century. How can a person live to a, nearly a century, right? And there's all these characters like the Nephilims. you know, there's strange stories in there. And it seems like uh, the Bible becomes a myth because all of these kinds of stories are there. But, you know, as we kind of look at the whole book of Genesis from uh, 1 through chapter 50, all those stories are not there to, to say this is why Genesis was written. In fact, there is a theme. There is actually a outline, a thrust of why this book was written. And uh, you may have studied this Bible or this section. You may have studied Genesis even in Sunday school, but, but I'm not sure if, you, if you've gotten this, but here's the main theme of Genesis. And, and let me just tell you, I went to seminary just to learn this one sentence about Genesis. And let me tell you what the theme or, the, or why the, all those 50 chapters are there. And here it is. The main theme of Genesis is to show, because he's writing to the Israelites. In this context, these Israelites are in Egypt. And if you know the story, they've been in bondage under Pharaoh for 400 years. So the, so the writer of Moses, who is, uh, writer of Genesis, who is Moses, is, is making a, a, a statement to say, the reason why you're there uh, and the fact that your forefathers left Canaan and to go to Egypt was God's plan for you. And let me tell you something, that is a huge argument. That is... That is huge to to convince a whole generation for four centuries who's been enslaved and under persecution. I mean, think about that. To show a generation and a group of nations to say, God has a plan for you to be marginalized. God had a plan for you to be a prisoner and and enslaved and work for Pharaoh. That is a hard pill to swallow. And a very difficult apologetic to make. And that's why 25% of the book of Genesis is written to prove that case. So, so the story of Joseph is, is more than just like uh, uh, his story, a lot of fascinating things that he did in the past, but he's trying to make this case. You know, uh, as I thought about how to, how to preach this, and this, you know, chapter 37 to 50, there's a lot of chapters what can we say that's going to um, uh, hit everyone in the same way? And there was a theme that I saw in his life that I think all of us can uh, relate to, and that's the theme of forgiveness. You know, if, 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 the, uh, if people tell us that we have to be like Joseph, you know, it's just hard because I don't know how many of you have been to jail. Anybody? <laughs> anyway, don't tell me if you did. <laughs> or... Maybe, uh, you know, uh, accused. I'm sure a lot of you have been accused of stuff that you didn't do, perhaps. Or maybe you became heads of state. Any heads of state here? <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't think we can identify with a lot of things that Joseph had went through, gone through because he went from really low to really high. But one thing that he had to do that I think we can empathize is that the way uh, the Bible portrays him in his history, in how he got to those places, was um, he had to forgive a lot of people. Because I'll show you very briefly. What he had to do uh, to get there? Um, so, so, so the theme of forgiveness, I believe, is something that we can all relate. And through that, I want to show you how Jesus is the ultimate hero and not Joseph. So let me continue his story. Um, as you know, again, chapter 37. If you know his story, you'll find that he has one dad. His name is Jacob. And Mr. Jacob had uh, two wives, Leah. <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Hank can you give me some water? Thank you. Sorry, this was live. <laughs> he had one dad, but he had two wives, Leah and Rachel, and he also had a couple of concubines. And, and the reason why these women are important, because through them, all the children came out of it. So we know the 12 tribes of Israel came out of the line of Jacob. And what's thing about Joseph is that he was the second youngest among his brothers. There were he had 11 other brothers and had a sister, Dinah, all right? That was the extent of his family, a lot of kids, all right? And, and, and the birth order in the uh, ancient Near East, the patriarchal society, is very important because if you were the uh, oldest, that means you had the lion's share of the inheritance. Not only that, but, um, but you had greater responsibility. Thank you. Yet greater responsibly for the tribe, for the family, and if uh, the patriarch passes away, the eldest son actually takes over the reign. But what we find in this story is that Joseph was not the oldest, but the second to the youngest. And you wonder why. Because, uh, uh, you know, the first son actually, if you uh, look at Genesis uh, about the Joseph's narrative, you'll find that the first son, his name is Reuben. He's supposed to get all that, but Joseph becomes the favorite. And you wonder why, because what you find is that Jacob, dad, he had two wives. He really loved uh, the second wife, Rachel, the most. And, and for him, uh, Leah's kids were okay. They were his flesh and blood, but they're not his favorite. But when his beloved wife finally conceives, after a lot of prayers, she was barren. For Joseph, I'm I'm sorry, for Jacob, I believe that he considered Joseph as his first child. So he doted on him and everything was on him. And if you think about this, you can imagine the sibling rivalry, right? I don't know if uh, uh, some of you, maybe a lot of people these days, are part of blended families Uh, stepmom, stepdad, stepchildren, half children, quarter children, who knows? It's very complicated these days. It was very common now, perhaps, but back in the ancient Near East is is really unimaginable. And yet... This was their family. All these siblings were half of somebody. They were really full brothers and sisters. And can you imagine the toxicity of uh, the family dynamics that they were in, you know? And, um, and, and it's, just, it's just bizarre. So that is kind of the context in which Joseph comes out of. That's the context in which the story is given. So Joseph's favoritism was actually caused by his father, because he doted on the second to last child above everyone else. And uh, how do you think his relationship with the other 11 brothers were? And um, you would probably guess it wasn't very good. There was a lot of jealousy, obviously. There's anger, perhaps, frustration, and rage, I want to show you one of the dialogues they had. In one particular instance, uh, you know, they were shepherds, they were herders, you know, and so that was their duty. So one time, dad asked all the brothers to go out, all the older brothers to go out and do their job. But of course, Joseph, the favorite, gets to stay home, uh, play video games and sleep in. So he wasn't doing anything. And then, but then, you know, a few days passed and the brothers weren't coming in. So dad actually got worried and said, Joseph, why don't you go and check up on them to see how they are? And so Joseph goes, and he finds them, all right? And in Genesis 37, 18 to 20, listen, I want, I want to read this passage because I want you to see the dialogue. I want you to see the relationship that they had. They saw him from afar. They are the 11 brothers who are doing their thing. They saw who? Joseph coming down. And before he, that is Joseph, came near, the brothers conspired to do what? Have a nice talk? We'll talk this out? No, 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 no. They conspire to kill him. That's how much they loved each other. 19. And they say to one another, here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him. All right? Throw him into one of the pits. Then they would say, then they would say that a fierce animal has devoured them, and we will see what will become of his dreams. You see the resentment. You see the anger? You see the years? By the time Joseph was 17 years old, at least 17 years of frustration, 17 years of being passed off because of this little kid, and uh, all these brothers had daddy issues, you know, and daddy didn't care for them. So that's the story. This is how it comes down. Now, fast forward, what we find is that luckily the brothers didn't killed their brother, even though it was half-brother. What they did was they, they compromised and said, let's throw him in a pit. And stories that he was sold into Egypt and Joseph was picked up by Mr. Potiphar, who happened to be an officer of the Pharaoh's camp. And uh, so he did such a good job in his household. He was uh, promoted to uh, manager of all of his estates. And so Joseph did a fine job. But as he was doing his thing, Mrs. Potter kind of took a look at him and, and uh, did things and and, um, and he was alleged, alleged uh, uh, to do sexual misconduct against her, which was untrue. But uh, he was landed in jail without due process. And in the prison, more drama, as he is there wondering why he's in prison for uh, not doing anything, uh, people started having dreams, one, and he interpreted dreams. And one of the uh, cupbearers to the pharaoh actually got released. And then uh, he forgot about Joseph. And what happened was the Pharaoh, the man of Egypt, also had a dream that disturbed him, as the story goes. And he didn't understand. So, and the cupbearer realized, oh, my gosh, I remember Joseph about a year ago. He uh, interpreted my dreams, and it had happened exactly the way he said. So he said, Mr. Pharaoh or King Pharaoh or Your Highness, whatever, there's a guy <laughs> in prison who can do this. So lo and behold, what happens is he interprets the dream, talks about a famine, And Pharaoh was impressed, and he elevated Joseph from the pit to the prison to number two position in Egypt. Pretty amazing story. Just that story in itself is kind of amazing. And the reason why I tell you all this in a very fast pace because we're trying to get to this point. And the point is, famine did happen. All of Egypt and all of the world actually had to go to Egypt to survive. And lo and behold, Joseph's brothers And eventually, Jacob and everyone had to go to Egypt to buy food. Okay, now we come to this point. Now they meet. They finally meet. Remember, the theme is about forgiveness, all right? How would Joseph react to his brothers? Of course, the brothers didn't know. They thought he was dead or lost in Egypt somewhere, so they didn't recognize his brother at all. But of course, Joseph recognized his brothers. So the biblical narrative shows us uh, Joseph's reaction. And what we find is that all throughout time, his heart was melting. All right. So uh, let's read here chapter 45, verses 1 to 3. This is what happened. Joseph, so so they finally got to the point, a lot of drama happened, but he isolated him and his brothers in one place. And he says here that Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood by him. So he cried. He says, make everyone go out from me. So no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. And here's here's Joseph. He wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it and the household the (laughs) household of the Pharaoh heard it. So he is really emotional, very dramatic here. Look at verse three. And Joseph said to his brother, and the most amazing, Oscar-worthy uh, scene here, <laughs> I am Joseph. I mean, you can imagine. The, the, I mean, actually, reading, rereading this and studying it, you could feel the emotion. You could feel what Joseph is saying, and he reveals himself. I am Joseph to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, he says. They were shocked. They were freaked out, for they were dismayed at his presence. the Bible is very nice, but they were probably fearful. They were freaked out. They couldn't believe it. They were shocked, right? So according to the biblical narrative, everything was restored. And we read here in chapter 50, Pastor Justin read this section, the famous verse that comes out of Joseph. Verse 20, as for you, here's the conclusion of the whole matter. Was Joseph able to forgive his brothers? Here's the conclusion of the whole matter. As for you, Joseph says, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now, I'll tell you, if you get this, just verse 20, if you get that, that will save you, guys. Anybody will be able to forgive anybody if you really get that. And here's the thing if you get it, I can stop the message here and we're good. Give you the benediction. So it's been 12 minutes and 12 seconds. That's, That's amazing. Or am I reading it wrong? But anyway, this this will be the shortest message you would ever hear from me, but not yet. (laughs) Because here's the thing. If I tell you, go do likewise, be like Joseph, get get Genesis 50-20 in your heart, you'll be able to forgive everyone just like Joseph did. You're good. Story ends there. But I don't think we have really uh, uh, taken the nuance of the story because we just kind of say, all right, he did it. Let's be like Joseph, who overcame all of his circumstances, learned how to forgive, therefore become the hero. Now, is this too good to be true? Absolutely, it has to be. Because even there's a little clue that the story really isn't as fluid and smooth as you think. Because even the passage that we read in verse 15, if you go back, and I want to read this part again. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead. So in other words, by this time, Joseph was able to invite not only the whole clan, but father too, who was aged. And he eventually uh, uh, came to Egypt and lived in the best part of Egypt. And boy, he really blessed the whole family. And that's the reason why, remember the main theme of Genesis, it was God's uh, plan to get uh, Israel out of Canaan into Egypt so that they would prosper they will survive, and they will thrive. That was the reason. But here's the thing. Mr. Patriarch Jacob, he passed away. And look what, the Joseph, look what the brothers were doing. So go back to verse 15. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we do to him. No doubt, that is absolutely a good assessment, all right? It shows you that at least from the brother's part, they weren't sure if Joseph really did forgive them because they put him through a lot of bad situations. So here's what the brothers did, verse 16. So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Quote, putting into words of his father, by the way, who... He didn't say this, but say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sins because they did evil to you, close quote. So the brother said, Joseph, and now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God, your father. Do you see what's going on? The brothers weren't really sure if Joseph really did forgive them, so they lied to ensure their safety. (laughs) <laughs> which leads me to believe that there must be an alternate story. And so point two, Joseph's alternate story. Listen, if you grew up in the church and you've gone to Sunday school, you hear preachers like me talk about Joseph, we really just usually paint Joseph in this two-dimensional picture that he's the hero, you follow God, he's an example of your faith, go emulate him, forgive anybody, you know, and, and, and that's it. And I don't blame them for doing that. And uh, if I ever talk like that, don't blame me because I honestly studied 37 to 50 again and tried to find some dirt on Joseph to show you that he really isn't the hero. But when I started reading and looking at his his, uh, story, I find that there wasn't really much you could pin on this guy. You know, it was really hard to find flaws in his character. You know, even when he was abused from his brothers, his time in jail, being falsely accused by Mrs. Potiphar, and even at this excruciating silence from God. Think about it, 13 years he was going through this, and he didn't hear not much from God. And through it all, it seems that Joseph was patient. It seems that he made all the right decisions, And uh, he looks actually very stellar. But, you know, thank God we have the whole of Scripture. Scripture tells us that nobody is really clean. Amen? Okay. Uh, Maybe one or two of you are. (laughs) But generally, you know, Romans 3 says, all have sinned, fall short of glory. No one is absolutely clean. So it will be contrary for you to think and me to think that Joseph was kind of squeaky clean. That is not true. He is born in sin, just like all of us, descendants from Adam and Eve, all right? The, although the passage that we, from 37 to 50 does not record any overt sins, or, they don't, or that passage don't, doesn't even criticize Joseph in any way, actually. But you actually have to understand that Joseph, here's the ultimate story. He must be like us. He has to be like one of us. And you know why? Think with me. Because of our sinful nature, you have to understand Joseph is not innocent, and he is far from perfect. And one of the commentators kind of helped me see this, and he called Joseph a, quote, good boy sinner. You get that? Or if you're a girl, or if you're a Josephine, good girl sinner, all right? <laughs> so it's like, on the one hand, you do everything good. I don't know if that's grammatically correct, but you're a good guy, good girl. You do everything, right? Right? well, but at the same time, you're a sinner and it's hidden. And, and I got a little hint to that. I, I don't have the verse here, but in Genesis 37 two, when, when we're first introduced to Joseph, we learned this about Joseph, that Joseph brought a bad report of them, that is his brothers, 11 brothers, to their father. And so the commentators did a lot of digging with the Hebrew language, the context and all that, and this is the result. He said, Joseph, just by this statement, if you get an early picture of who Joseph is at the age of 17, what you find is that Joseph would regularly misrepresent facts and malign them against his brothers, and he would tattletale on dad. Every day, they would, he would rat out what they did. And, uh, and he would tell truth, yeah, he did this and that, but he would maybe leave out some details, maybe at some time he would exaggerate a little bit, or maybe uh, 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 add in some inaccuracies so that they would look bad, and Joseph would always look like a good boy. So that's why, you know, you could see the sibling rivalry, how they would hate each other, and, and how, you know, it was always 11 versus 1. And guess who always won? The one that makes sense, a lot of ones. <laughs> Joseph always won the battle against all of his 11 brothers. So that's the environment. And, 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 if, the, and if this is true, if, this, if the alternate story of Joseph can be tenable, you have to understand, um, Joseph is not a saint. Think about this. With this in mind, and I don't want to uh, shock people who think Joseph is a saint, but listen, if this is true, you got to have one or two... Um, one of two ways of seeing Joseph. To me, he, he's either a rascal, really a conniving rascal, or he is a really good guy, but he's just naive. Those are the only two scenarios. And, and, and I wish we had a lot more time to play on these two narratives and, and go through all the different scenes. But let me just pick one, which is the uh, first part when he was thrown into the pit. Remember when he was thrown into the pit? Now, if Joseph was a rascal... That he really ratted on his brother and, and they hated him and he really wasn't a good guy. What do you suppose Joseph was thinking while he was being trapped in that pit? He would say, I knew I couldn't trust you guys. <laughs> you know, when I get out, you guys are gonna get it. I'm gonna go and tell dad, he's gonna punish all of you. And remember the dreams that I had? It's absolutely gonna come true. You're nothing. You're gonna bow before me, you're gonna be sorry. Oh, anyway, sounds mean, right? <laughs> but I'm getting carried away. But you see, you, you can imagine what Joseph could be like if he was really like that. But on the other hand, if you think he's still a good kid, but he was just naive, that he's not really intentionally being bad, he's in the pit, How do you, what do you think he'll be thinking? Number one, he feels like he did nothing wrong, but he's so confused. Why are you doing this to me, guys? Dad sent me to check up on you. He, he wanted, and I was just here to see if you're okay. Why are you doing this to me? What did I do to you? Come on, guys, it's not a joke. It's not funny anymore. All right, if you get me out, I'm not gonna tell dad, I promise. You know, you get all kinds of narrative. And, 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 and if you think about this, whether he's really a rascal or he is really naive, if you look at all the scenes, that we see in Genesis, uh, how he served at the Potters first home about 11 years, how he spent in jail for two years, how he encountered his brothers, and, and all the scenes that we see in Genesis, you could see that how he could have played out these things in these ways. But at, at each time of Joseph's story, uh, um, here's something though. But what, Whether he's naive or rascal, what you find is God changing his heart. And eventually when we get to Genesis 50, he does forgive them. But, but here's an important question that I want to uh, lay into, into your, your heart right now. What if, what if Joseph never became prime minister of Egypt? What if he was still rotting in jail, getting old to live the rest of his life locked up in jail? Hmm? And somehow, through God's sovereignty, they do meet, uh, Joseph and all his three, uh, 12, 11 brothers, somehow they meet in some serendipitous way. Here's the question. Would Joseph be able to forgive his brothers and show them forgiveness and mercy in the same way that we see in Scripture? It's just a thought. That's why it's an alternative story. I want you to think about this. You know Why? I mean, it's just a thought because in the scriptures, it didn't happen that way. And thank God for that. Thank God that uh, it's a beautiful scene where Joseph, who's wrestling and, 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 and how God has changed him through his circumstances, he was able to forgive his brothers, all right? But here's the caveat. He's the second most powerful man in the world, <laughs> Everything. And, and one of the things that really caught me to this was that the fact that Manasseh got married and he had two sons. And one son he called Manasseh. In Hebrew, Manasseh means forgiveness. And so the Bible tells us his name really means this, God has made me forget all my hardships and all my, and all my father's house. Now, why is that important? Because Joseph the reason why he was able to call his son Manasseh, because he actually learned to forgive. Why did he learn to forgive? Because God restored him from the pit, from all the accusation, from all the literal, quote, hell that he had to go through, and and he is the most powerful man, (laughs) second to none, right? Listen, if God did not prosper Joseph and deliver him from prison... Would there be forgiveness? Again, it's only a speculative question. Uh, but I, I share this alternate story because for most of you, you're not going to be heads of state. You're going to be crying out to God. People are going to hurt you, destroy you. Uh, things happen. You're going to get cancer. We're going to try to pray for you. We're going to try to ask God to heal you. But you're going to die. You know what I mean? COVID has happened to people. Bad things were still going to be there. You're going to still be in jail, uh, metaphorically. God may not rescue you. You may not get kids or ever get married. Whatever, right? Will you, can you still forgive? It's, It's a speculation, but this is important because can you truly extend forgiveness in whatever state that you're in right now? I'll tell you something. If all the vision and the things that I have for this church, for my life, and my kids, and God just blesses it 10 million times over, man, I'll forgive anybody. <laughs> you could take my right arm. I don't care. It's, life is good. You see what I'm saying? What if everything went south? Can I still love you? Can I still forgive you because you hurt me? Hmm? Or you stole from me? Or you maligned my character? That's, that's, that's the reality. That's the rub, guys. So when we need third point, going to Joseph's real story, we have to flip the script because Joseph is not your real hero. And this is so interesting. In Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11 is a, um, is a um, uh, chapter full of the heroes of the faith. And in it, there is Joseph, rightly so. But in chapter 11, Uh, In verse 22, there's only one line about why Joseph is a hero. And let me just read this to you. I don't have it up here, but it says, By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. (laughs) Ta-da! Did you get it? (laughs) According to the writer of Hebrews, he's a hero not because he was able to flee temptation, not because he was able to forgive his brothers, all the things that we look to Joseph to be the hero for, Hebrews writer doesn't mention any of that. The reason why he's mentioned is because, remember the theme of Genesis, you nation, you go to Egypt, and you're suffering, you're slaves for 400 years, that's God's will, whether you believe it or not. But the reason why Joseph is a hero, because he said, promise me when I die, We are not going to be in Egypt. We're going to go back to the Promised Land, Israel, Jerusalem. That's why he was a hero. You know why? Because Joseph knew that there's going to be another hero, not from Egypt, but coming out of uh, New Jerusalem to establish his new people, right? Right? That's what made Joseph a hero, according to the writer of the Hebrews, is that Joseph made sure that Israel got out of there. They are not stuck in uh, Egypt, which was prison, which is sin. And symbolically, Canaan is the place of freedom. You know why? Because of Exodus. Exodus is the Old Testament version of salvation, which is the New Testament version of Jesus uh, going through the exodus of the cross to deliver all of us from the bondage of sin to eternal life. In Christ Jesus. That's what made Joseph a hero. That's why we hailed him as a hero, because he made sure the people of God got back to the homeland. Here's the thing, Joseph died. He cannot be a hero. But there's another Joseph like him who he was pointing to who's going to get him out into the Exodus, and that is Jesus. Think about this. Jesus was the favorite from his father, but he became a brat, I think. Jesus was also a favor of, of, of his father at the baptism and transfiguration, but you know how, how Jesus turned out to be? John says he is full of grace and truth. <laughs> favor son, and he, that's who he is. Like Joseph, Jesus was also imprisoned and found guilty without due process, right? Right? But here's the difference. Whereas Joseph was restored from prison and given honor to, the, to, to Pharaoh, next to Pharaoh, so that he can be the most powerful person and do whatever he wants, Jesus on, on, Jesus, on the other hand, was left to be in prison to receive the full penalty of the law and sentenced to death, capital set death, on the cross. There's a huge difference. And here's the thing. Because Joseph was free, he was able to forgive anybody. Jesus was still in bondage. He was still in prison. And even when his, his spiritual lifeline was taken away, which was God the Father, what did Jesus do on the cross? In the prison pit, in his spiritual darkness, he said these amazing words. He says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That's where forgiveness comes. Not when everything's good. And none of us have the capacity to forgive when you're in the pit, when everyone has rejected you, and everyone said you're nobody, you suck, nothing. There's no way you can find forgiveness, especially for those who have hurt you. But Jesus Christ did that. That's why he's our hero, guys. Forgiveness is divine. It's not in the person of Joseph or good people. No, no one could ever do this. It is divine. It comes from on high. That's why Joseph cannot be your hero. He cannot save you. God can. So, I, so this is the kind of theme that we're going to go through over and over as we look at different heroes in the, in the faith, especially uh, in the Old Testament as we proceed. But I pray, guys, that you will receive Jesus. So as we close, I'm going to ask the praise team to come and just kind of uh, make their way and prepare yourself. But, but think about this. Those of you who are hearing this message and those of you here uh, uh, hearing live stream, where is this forgiveness going to come? Joseph did it, not because he was good, not because he was the hero. No, he did it because God blessed him. But Jesus Christ did it despite the blessing. So, guys, I don't know where God is calling all of you, but I know we have to deal with for- forgiveness and unforgiveness. We have people in our lives that seems impossible, and we must do forgiveness. Just like the Lord's Prayer says, you know, unless you forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. So we got to ask God to help us. So what I want to do is I just want to pray. I want to pray and just kind of bless you, and then after that we're going to respond with a song. Let's just pray together in one spirit. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name that your church is going to go forth, and this is a church not doing things on our own, but it's a church that's going to be... uh, receive from power on high to do divine things because even things like forgiveness, things like obeying your command and doing your work and obeying you, it has to be from on high. Jesus, may you be our ultimate hero in everything that we do so that we can go forth, Lord, so we can promote you and not ourselves and not our righteousness. So, oh God, I pray that you would forgive the hearts of the people, of your people, so that we will love you. And especially those who are in the pit right now, who are still in in the metaphorical jail, who cannot be out. I pray that you give them the divine power to understand and forgive because they have been forgiven. We have been forgiven. Show us how to do that to those that you call us to. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.